listening to audio from Community Bible Church. If you would like to find out more information about us, please visit us at cbcsavannah.com. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn in it to the book of 1 Peter. I saw an article or something the other day, an advertisement today is Back to Church Sunday. I was thinking, oh, that's great. I was already here, so I don't need to go back. But if you are here because it's Back to Church Sunday, welcome. We'll have Back to Church Sunday next Sunday too. Uh, and then the following one, believe it or not, will be. I mean, we celebrate Back to Church Sunday almost every Sunday, actually, believe it or not. So um, no, but we are glad you're here if you're a guest of ours. We study, are studying this little book called First Peter, and that's because there's a second Peter after it. That's why it's called First Peter. But we've been in it for a couple weeks, and we are going to continue up and through the Advent season. Um, Many of you know, I went to, for my undergrad, I did, uh, I spent my time at the Citadel, which is a military college. And one of the things uh, that, there's a lot of annoying things about military college, but one of the things that was just tedious was, and if you're in the military, you get this, uh, was making or getting a new duty shirt ready. Just a new shirt that you're supposed to wear. A duty shirt is just a regular shirt you wear to class. Because it, it wasn't just like you go in your closet and you're like, oh, what is it? You know, you, put, you had to put the insignia on. You had to put your name tag on. You had, to make, you had to iron it. You had to get creases in it. It was a process, which is why uh, spaghetti night was my favorite night as an upperclassman because the goal of spaghetti night as an upperclassman was to get as much sauce on the freshman shirt as possible. Because they'd have to sit, you know, they'd have to square their meals. And so we would give them like one noodle and a whole plate of sauce. And so, you know, they'd have a fork and it'd just be all over. And it would just be fun. That, that was the kind of stuff that we did at an all-male institution. Um, but so my senior year, I, I, I tried an experiment. Um, so I was on the training cadre, which means we showed up early. And so I, I, I was like, I don't want to make duty shirts every week. It's just such a pain. And so I got a can of Scotchgard and a, and a can of uh, starch. And I spent about an hour and a half, and I used about half of each on this shirt. I would do it, spray, shh, iron it, spray, shh, iron, shh. It just got alternating, alternating, alternating. It went from a shirt to, it felt like about three pounds. But it was, it worked. I mean, you could put everything, you could pour stuff on it. It was like a raincoat. It was just, it was perfect. It was beautiful. And it was, I mean, it was flat, and you could cut yourself in the creases. It just looked great. And I won't even tell you how long I wore that shirt. Actually, I will. I wore it all semester. It was beautiful. All right. Now, on the outside, at the end, when I retired it, and they put it in the Citadel Hall of Fame Museum for a greatest shirt ever, uh, it still, nothing would stick because of all this stuff on it. On the inside, it looked like it was a black polo shirt, but we won't talk about the inside of it because you couldn't see it. It was nasty, but it was great. I was 21, don't, don't judge, okay? I was an idiot. But, but the thing about it is nothing would stick to this shirt, no matter what. And I was thinking about that idea when I come to this passage today, right? Peter has been writing to a group of folks. He's called them exiles, sojourners. And we're gonna see that language again today in this text. Not because they've moved or anything, because now they're followers of Jesus. And because they are, they no longer fit. They don't fit anymore because they have a new father. They have a new home. They have a new value system. And so they're exiles living in their hometown even. And he has been encouraging them to persevere because now because of their faith, they're finding opposition at home. They're finding opposition at work. They're finding opposition with the government. And they find themselves at odds in all these places. And he is writing them to persevere, to encourage. And we come to a passage this morning. In this passage, there's, there's a little hinge section which is gonna be critical for the next couple weeks. He's gonna introduce an idea, a principle, 
And then he's going to apply it this week and next week and even beyond. And the key verse in this, in this little passage is going to be uh, verses 11 and 12. Let me just read it real quick. This is where he's going, right? He says, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles, there's that language, to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Here's it is. Keep your behavior, your conduct among the Gentiles. That's what his way of saying among the lost people. Keep your conduct honorable. And the word means beautiful. Good, winsome, pleasant, right? So that when they speak evil against you, notice it's not if they speak evil, it's when they talk trash about you, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day of visitation. What's he saying? The world's gonna talk. The world's gonna say things. Don't let it stick. Let it live your life in such a way, keep your conduct excellent, your behavior excellent in such a way so when they talk, it's like my shirt. It just rolls right off. And what he's gonna do is he's gonna tell us how. And we're gonna see that in the next few weeks. The early church, they were getting all sorts of lies made about them. You can read church history about it, right? Uh, the church was called rebellious. Why? Because they wouldn't say Caesar is Lord. They were accused of immorality because they heard of this thing that the church would have called the agape feast, which was basically the first potluck dinner. And then all they did was celebrate the Lord's Supper and they called it the agape feast. And they were like, oh, they got this immoral thing. They call it the love feast, right? And it sounded real immoral. Yeah, it's macaroni and cheese and communion. That's what it is. But all, these, all this talk, they said that they, they're cannibals. They eat the body and the blood of, of kids. And, and no, they celebrate the Lord's table. They said they, they were leading a, trying to lead a slave rebellion. Why? Because they taught owners and masters to treat people with respect and dignity. They said they were man-haters because they were actually treating their wives as equals and with honor, which was not what the culture did. So there's always been talk. It's not new. They, they did the same thing with Jesus. He's a drunkard. Was Jesus a drunkard? No. They, Jesus doesn't pay his taxes, Pilate. He's, he's been telling people not to pay his taxes. Is that true? No. They're gonna talk, right? They do it now. And Peter says, don't let it stick. They, they say Christians are, that we, we don't believe in science. Why? Because we believe in the beginning God made them male and female and there's two genders, right? And they're gonna say, oh, they're this. Oh, they're, they're hateful. Why? Because they believe that, that marriage is between a man and a woman. That's how, that's how God wired it. Hateful. They're on the wrong side of history because they still believe fill in the blank. And what Peter is saying is, let your conduct speak. Don't let it stick. Don't let it stick. And what that looks like, we're gonna look at today and we're gonna look at next week. And here's the big idea. Here's where he's going. Your conduct matters. It just does. So, and then he's gonna tell us the so this week and next week. And what he's gonna do today in our text is he's gonna apply it to two of the three institutions we're gonna look at uh, that God has ordained. God has ordained government. God has ordained the workplace and work. God has ordained the family. And we're gonna look at the first two today uh, that he deals with. But he's just gonna apply it. As a man actually, he's gonna say, your conduct matters, so do this, do this, do this. And these three different areas in respect to your government, in respect to your work, in respect to your family. So let's just jump right in and see where he goes. Verse 11. Beloved, those who I love, those who I care about, those who are, are special to me. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles, there's that language, to abstain. That means stop, to stay away 
right? It's in the, actually in the middle voice too, which means you, this is for you. This is not for you. You look at your husband like, yeah, you listen to this. No, no, no. You abstain from the passions of the flesh, right? And the passions of the flesh, it's the same word he used in chapter one, that you are to not be conformed to your former passions of your former ignorance. He's not saying don't be passionate. He's not saying you shouldn't be, have passion in things. He's saying those things which you, that, that come from the heart that you desire, the things that you're like, I feel like, or I want to, or everyone's doing it. He said, abstain from that, right? Because it's not rooted in God. You say, well, my heart, I just go with your gut and do what your heart says. Don't do what your heart says. Because your heart is desperately wicked, right? It's desperately wicked. And, and because of what he says next, the passions of your flesh, they wage war against your soul. The thing that you're like, oh, I just wanna do that and it feels, if it feels good, do it. These things are actually destroying your soul. They're fighting against you. You think that there's gonna be life and what Paul, Peter is saying is, then it's not life, it's actually hurting you. It's making you ineffective. It's gonna destroy the life that you're seeking. You're not gonna find life there. You're gonna find death. Why? Because the passions of the flesh and the spirit of God, Galatians 5, are in opposition to each other and they are fighting each other. So enmity and jealousy and, and, and anger and sexual immorality are in opposition to the spirit. They just are, the passions of your flesh. He says, abstain, abstain. Right? Because if you don't, it's the things that they do say, they're going to stick. It will stick. It will be true. Say, Christians are just angry. Well, if we're fighting over coffee and this and that, you know what? That sticks. But if they come in here and say, man, there's a diverse group of people that are socioeconomically different, they're racially different, and they just, they seem to get along. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Not they're angry because so-and-so did this and so-and-so did this. Right? They're, they're just, in you know, the church, they take up a neighborhood and they, you know, they get tax-free stuff and they don't really do anything. But they actually come and see, no, there's a gentleness and a faithfulness and a generosity because we're trying to impact the community and we're doing things for the kids in the schools and we're doing these things. They, so they're talking, but it doesn't stick. And he says, the way for it not to stick is you abstain from your fleshly lusts, right? And here's the why, that they may see your good deeds and do what? Glorify God in the day of visitation. And the idea is this. You're gonna live in such a way that people are gonna see it. And even though everyone's like, yap, 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 yap over here, they're gonna say, that's not my experience. And there's gonna be something to that. And they eventually will come to faith in Jesus so that when he comes back, they will glorify God that they, that they found Christ rather than him coming in judgment, that he's coming to save them. The idea is that you live in such a way that your life is actually a conduit for people to come to faith in Jesus. It's the same thing he says in the Sermon on the Mount. Let your light shine before men, that they will see your good works and do what? Glorify God, right? That's the idea, that we, this is what Clint preached last week, that you are a priest, and what does a priest do? Declares the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness in a marvelous light. And the one way that all of us can do that, you're like, I'm not a good speaker, I don't know. The one way you can proclaim it is by living and, and your, your conduct mattering and living a good life. And so he's gonna apply this to two specific areas, right? Two areas, and... These are not fun areas to talk about. In fact, I wish Clint was preaching today and next week and actually the next week after that because some of you are gonna be mad at me and that's okay 
You can be mad at me. You can email the Trinity at heaven.org and deal, take it up with God, okay? Because I'm just telling, don't shoot the messenger. All right, you want to talk to someone, talk to God about this, all right? So email, I don't even know if that's an email, but if it is, go ahead and email to it. Here's the two areas he's going to apply it to. He's going to apply it to the Christian and government and the Christian in the workplace, right? Christian and government and the Christian in the workplace. And this is challenging. I, in, a, in a culture right now that is so divisive, especially around politics, right? It's, I get it. Right, I get it. And you, what, you, what you need to know is this. I don't, I'm not, I don't get very political because I believe it's my job to exalt Jesus in this place. I have very strong positions. Here's what you need to know about me. Growing up, my favorite movie was Red Dawn. I am a Wolverine. I am, that was my dream and desire, not to go to college, but for someone to invade so that I could become a Wolverine and fight communism with an AK-47. That was my dream, all right? That's my, that's my favorite movie, that and Rocky IV. Tells you a lot about me. Now, I'm not talking about the new Red Dawn with Thor. I'm talking about the original one with the dirty dancing guy. That's the one I'm talking about. Patrick Swayze, Charlie Sheen, right? Great. Okay, so that's what you need to know. But that said, here's the thing. As a follower of Jesus, my authority comes from this. Period, end of story, have a nice day. Right? So the passions of my flesh, which are Wolverine, have to be put under the word of God, right? I have a higher calling and I must follow what my king says. And so that said, the first way Peter is gonna say, all right, you want it not to stick. You wanna have conduct that's, that it's excellent amongst the Gentiles. Here's the first one. So be a great citizen. Be a great citizen. He doesn't say be a, a patriot, I'm not saying that because there's a different idea, he's, which I am that. But he says, you want to have an impact? Be a great citizen. Look what he says. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every, underline every, human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. The word be subject, it's the word some of your translations say submit. And again, it's the idea, there's a lot of, that's a hard word for us, right? And we're gonna see that word in the next couple of weeks it's throughout the Bible. Not a popular idea, but here's, the, here's what it means. That you voluntarily, it is a voluntary thing that you personally, you yourself, you're not someone else, you yourself place yourself under the authority of someone else. It's not a forced thing, it is a voluntary thing. It has nothing to do with status, about being subservient, of not being equal. It is about laying down your rights and actually serving others and looking for the interests of others. It is not fear-based, it is motivated by by faith and obedience and hope and love. And it really is not a matter of authority at all. It's a matter of priority. Notice what he says. Be subject, what? For the Lord. Who's the Lord? Jesus. For Jesus' sake. It is an issue of priority of following the Lord Jesus. Because Romans 13 says that there is not one government authority that is not ordained by God. Not one. Even the the ones that were like, ooh, really? All of it. So he says, put yourself under. And here's the big thing. It is not a negative thing. Right? Here's why it can't be negative. 
because the Lord Jesus does it time and time again in all sorts of different contexts. Does the Lord Jesus submit to the government and pay Caesar his taxes? He absolutely does. Peter, go fishing, open the fish's mouth, pay my taxes. I wish that's how I could pay my taxes, but it's not. But still, he pays his taxes. He submits to his parents. Same word, to Mary and Joseph. They weren't perfect parents. They weren't like, you know, oh, they weren't walking around like Mary like this and, you know, they weren't just perfect parents, but he puts himself under voluntary his parents. He, Philippians 2, empties himself. He takes the form of a bondservant. He submits himself to his dad, his father in heaven. Your will be done, not my own. The Lord Jesus does it. And so if he does it, if he can be respectful to Pontius Pilate, then what does that mean for you and me? Right? That God has ordained government and it's meant to flourish. It's meant to bless. Now, it doesn't always, and I understand that, but the point of government is to do what? He, this is a theology of government. You wanna know what the point of government is supposed to be biblically? It's to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. That's what it's supposed to do. Now, does it always do that? No. But that's what the goal is. But Peter says this, and this is where it's significant because I know what we're thinking. What about wickedness? What about all these things? He says, be subject even to the emperor. And if, if this was written during like Solomon's time, we'd be like, oh, of course. Best king ever Israel had. I mean, wisdom, they were blessing. I think it's significant that God writes this down during the, the reign of who? Nero. Google him. Not a good dude. Killed his mama. Killed his half-brother, burnt Rome on purpose so that he could do a construction project. And then he, then he hung it on all the Christians. He said, oh, it's the Christians that burn him. And then everyone hates the Christians. Not a good dude. He's the very man who's responsible for Peter's death. And what does Peter say? Put yourself under the emperor, the governors that he sends. Be a rock star citizen. And this is God's will. Isn't that interesting? You're, some of you are praying like, God, please show me your will. Oh, I'm here to tell you God's will today. Prophet Bill is telling you God's will. That by doing good, you will silence, and the Greek word literally means to muzzle. You will silence ignorant, foolish people who are yap, 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 yapping. You wanna silence them? Live good. Be a great citizen. This is God's will for you. You're like, I didn't mean that. I meant, who am I supposed to marry? Well, we'll find that out later. Today, you do this, right? Do this, right? This is God's will. You think the your taxes are too high? I agree. Pay them. You think that you should be at a park in the electric car spot? I absolutely agree. Don't park there. You think you should be able to go 85 on Duran, hallelujah, don't do it. You think you shouldn't have to get a license or a this or that because it's your this and you're that? I agree. Get the license. Get the license. But Bill, what about my life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness? What about the Bill of Rights? What about the Constitution of the United States? Love the Constitution. Love the Bill of Rights. Love the Declaration of Independence. Here's the thing. It's gonna be hard for some of you. Guess what? It doesn't say the Constitution doesn't, doesn't wither and doesn't fall off and will last forever. It doesn't say about the Declaration, the grass withers, the flower falls off, but the Declaration of Independence will endure forever, does it? I mean, we gotta guard it from Nicolas Cage stealing the daggum thing, okay? <laughs> right? As a Christian, 
My sacred text is not the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the Georgia Constitution. My sacred text is the word of the Lord which endures forever. So that is my highest authority. And I think the Constitution is great and I think the Bill of Rights is great. But this is my final authority. And so I know there's questions. I know if this was like a class, you'd have like, I got people in the back and I know who you are. I'm Facebook friends with you. I know you're about to raise your hand and be like, all right, Bill, fine. I got a question. I'm a Wolverine too. When can I not obey? Because that is the nature of an American. And it's not just the nature of an American, it's the nature of someone that was born in Adam. When do I not have to do what God says? Is there a time when I cannot obey the government? And my answer would be yes. But it's not when you just disagree with them, which is what some of us think. When can I disobey the government or should I? Here's when. Here's the biblical answer. And all I have is my final authority of scripture. When the state, when the government mandates you to do something that is in direct opposition from what God has said, then you have the obligation to obey. I didn't say when they, when they allow for sin. I said when they are trying to force you to sin. When they are saying, this is what you have to do no matter what. Not if they're just allowing it. Now, that's a troublesome thing for Christians. And I think we should resist those laws. I think we should resist those things as best as we can do legally and humbly. I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. But you do not have the right to disregard the government unless they are saying, you must do this. And this is against what God has said. And you say, well, give me some, give me some Bible there. Okay, I'll give you some Bible there. Exodus chapter one. Pharaoh says, midwives, kill all the boys. Spare all the girls. It's not an option. It's not you can if you want or you can if you want. You just do what you want. No, you will kill all the male children. And then what do they do? They say, no way, Jose. And we trust God will take care of us. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Daniel chapter three. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These three. Bow down when you hear the bagpipes play to the big statue that I built. And they say, we may, We cannot. We cannot have a God other than our God. We will not worship. We will not break the first and second commandment. You can do with it what you want. You can barbecue us. We will not bow. Daniel later on, you cannot pray to anyone but the king. Sorry, I gotta go up into my prayer closet and pray towards Jerusalem. Can't stop me. God says to pray to him and pray to him only. Can't stop me, right? You gonna throw me lines then? That's fine, but I, I must obey God. Acts chapter four, the religious leaders, they, they take all the apostles and say, you, will you please stop preaching about this man, Jesus, and, and blaming us? Stop preaching in his name. We have told you. And they say, we must obey God rather than man. I'm sorry, we cannot stop talking about what we've said. You see the difference? The state is trying to mandate that they do this when God says don't do this or vice versa. And so they have the obligation to obey God rather than man, which is why I believe that Nazi Germany and the atrocities in the 30s and 40s falls into this category where this country is saying, we must kill these Jewish people. We must alienate these Jewish people. We must, uh, you must tell us if you know where they are. And people like Bonhoeffer and Corey Ten Boom say, no, we will not. And we'll let the chips fall as it may. That is when we have the obligation, the duty to follow our king. That is when, okay? So that's, that's the scripture. Again, you have an issue with that? Email the trinity at heaven.org. Because that's what the word of God says. And again, I get it. The further and further our country drifts from, from truth and from God's word, and in the last 15 years, it's just like it's on, on fast forward, right? Running away. 
And so, and, and so it may come to the fact that when Christians have to say, you know what? Now look, if your boss tells you to do something that is sinful and you say, I, I can't do it, you, you, you stand up and you say, okay. Well, and if that means you lose your job, that means you lose your job. But you have done what God has said. Right? So that's where we go. If the, if the government comes to, to CBC and says, you have to now, we allow this, now you as a church have to marry same-sex couples. We will say, I'm sorry, we'll be humble, we'll be gentle, but we cannot do that. Take away our tax-free status, do what you're gonna do. We must obey God rather than men. That's what we're gonna do. All right, it hadn't come to that yet, but if it does, you need to know. We will follow God and not the government if they tell us to go against what he has said. We're not there per se yet, but we may come to that point, right? And, and this is where it gets convoluted, and I know this, because there's all sorts of stuff going on. And, and because of the nature of our form of government, and we don't have an emperor, and we don't, you know, we got, you know, the legislative branch, the executive branch, the judicial branch, and they, none of them agree. And then you have this judicial branch, this court says this, but then the higher court says this, and then the under court says this, and you have the governor that says this, but the president says this, and the city council that says this, and the mayor says this. And so you're like, well, which one do I obey? I know what I want to do. I want to, I want to obey the one that agrees with me. And what I would say is, I don't have an answer for you. <laughs> Here's what I do say. Try to be the best citizen you can. <laughs> Just try to be a blessing to the city of Savannah, to Pooler, even to Guyton. If you can bless Guyton, bless Guyton. <laughs> Okay, to come from Guyton, right? You just be a best citizen you can. Here's what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4. I think this would be a great verse for some of us. We urge you brothers to do this more and more. He's talking about love. And, so you love more and more, and to aspire to live quietly. That's a great verse for some of y'all. Live quietly. Mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that we may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. That's the goal. Live as a great citizen. Just be faithful where you are. Bless the socks off of the environment you are. That's it, right? Verse 16, Peter says, live as free. Live as people are free. And some of you are like, why didn't we start with that word? That's what I'm talking about. You know, living free. Six Semper Tyrannus, come on. Where is that? You know, that's, that's where I'm at. And he's, it's not just, oh yeah, I'm free. I can do what I want, right? I'm free in Christ. Woohoo! There's a qualified freedom here. Don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Use it as bond slaves of God. Servants of God. Right? You have a higher authority. And he tells us what that looks like. You want, this is what it looks like to live as a servant of God. Here's what it looks like to live free, but to not use it as a cover-up. He says, honor everyone. Everyone means everyone. Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, Duncare, Redneck, Hillbilly, City Dweller, everybody. Honor them. Love the brotherhood. That's the, the believers. We looked at this a couple weeks ago. Love the Methodists. Love the Baptists. I know it's hard. Love the Episcopalians. L- love everybody. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Notice it's a different. Fear, the reverence piece is for God and God alone. Because only he is worthy of that. Honor the emperor. Nero. Caesar. Right? That's how it doesn't stick. That's all the talk doesn't stick. Honor everybody. The, the, your waitress, your waiter this afternoon who's struggling because there's only one person working and it takes a long time and they mess up your order. Honor them. The cop who pulls you over for going nine over. And you're like, I was only going nine over. Honor them. 
the teacher who gave your kid a bad grade, honor them. The, the referee who blew the call, honor them. The really super annoying person at your office that you just honor them, right? Honor them. It means everyone means everyone. Honor the emperor. You didn't vote for him. I don't care. Respect him. Honor them, right? It's, it's a huge, huge piece of, of what we're doing here. And this means, and I know this is hard for some of y'all, social media counts. So don't come up with some like fake name and start talking trash because your, your social media matters, right? Honor everybody. Things you agree with, as you don't agree, you treat with honor. You don't have to agree with them, but you have to honor them. Why? Because you, by your life, are proclaiming the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into your marvelous light. Because you, one day, want that person, that president, that governor, those people to glorify God in the day of visitation because Jesus is gonna come back and he's gonna judge the living and the dead and you don't want them to spend an eternity away from Jesus, do you? Don't you want them to be with you forever and not experience his wrath for eternity? That, it matters. Our lives matter. They just do. So be a great citizen of our country, right? That's challenging. I get it. It goes against the fabric of our being, some of us. I get it. I was listening to a sermon last week in preparation for this. It's from 1990 which made me feel really old because I was in 10th grade. Some of you weren't even born. Some of you were like 60 already, so I get that. But I was in 10th grade in 1990. And I listened to a sermon by one of my favorite preachers, Alice DeBeg, and I was like, I can't believe he's not preaching this in 2021 because it's, it's so, it was so relevant. And, and, and something I took away from it was this. And so I want to tell you that because it's not, I didn't come up with it with my own idea, but I thought, yeah, that's what I need to encourage our people with. We have a... Uh, tendency towards churches when it comes to politics and government to go to one of two poles. We can be completely isolated and just hide and be irrelevant, uh, which you see some people do, uh, or we can be completely absorbed and just, it's all about that. And, and I think what we need to remember is our greatest power of influence, the greatest opportunity of us to influence culture it's not what we think it is. We think it's what we, what we need is we need a Christian councilman in Cappadocia. And we need a, we, we need a new uh, mayor in, in, in Bithynia that's gonna you know, get, really make good laws. That's what we think. If we could just get Christians on the ballot, right? Which is, I'm, I'm all for that. But, but what Peter says, is not, it's not your protesting and it's not your appealing and all these things that makes the difference. It's you honoring people and being a great citizen. Because the temptation for us when we are so absorbed, right, is to ignore that the, the weapons that our commander-in-chief has given us to impact culture and to make real change. And when we ignore the weapons that our commander-in-chief has given us, we will undoubtedly pick up the weapons of our culture and you cannot, beloved, build the kingdom of God with earthly man-made methodology. It may feel like you're having success, but it will not change. It will not move the ball, right? And, and we need to hear that. We need to hear that. Here's, because it, it seems like, it seems foolishness, but here's what the Apostle Paul says. Though we walk in the flesh, we do. We are not waging war according to the flesh, 
But see, what happens if we are, then we pick up the world's weapons and the world's weapons don't impact the real battle. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised up against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. See, the weapons of our warfare, they seem, y'all, I know this, they seem so insignificant and silly. What are you Christians gonna do? We're gonna get our knees and pray. (laughs) Okay, that's great. But after you do that, what are you gonna do? No, 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 we're gonna pray. When Peter is arrested and he's thrown in jail and James is killed, what does the church do? Do they go appeal? We need to go get a lawyer. We need to go get all this thing. They get on their knees and pray. What does God do? He sends an angel and he frees them. And they're so shocked that when he's knocking at the door, hey, I got out of jail. They're so shocked they don't even have to open the door. They leave him outside. That's what God does when his people pray. That's divine power. It seems foolish. We're gonna pray? Okay, fine, but what are we gonna do? And you know what our other weapon is? It is the word of God. <laughs> It is what I am doing right now. And it's not just hearing the word of God. It is actually doing the word of God, which is why Peter says, if you live a good life, if you live as a good citizen, if you follow what God is saying, that is power because the word of God is living and active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It is the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation for those who believe. This is real power, divine power. And if we ignore that, we may get the candidates we want and we may see a law written, but we will not win the war. The war is fought on our knees. The war is fought by obeying and following this book. That's why what we do here is is powerful, even though it seems like you're gonna waste 45 minutes, right? No, we are going to battle, right? And if we fail, it's because we haven't used the weapons that God has given us. The greatest tool we have to impact culture is to live our lives following Jesus, getting on our knees, right? Be a great citizen. If you're cheating on your taxes, stop. If you're getting super speeder tickets, slow down. Pay your debts. Stop bad-mouthing your leaders, whether you agree with them or not. Respect them. Trying to get out of jury duty, don't try to get out of jury duty. Right? If there's a law that you think that doesn't apply to you, it does. Right? You want to park in the electric car spot? Go ahead. No. <laughs> Just kidding. Just don't let it stick is the point. And this is why, if you're a member of our church or you're in the process of membership, we've invited you this Wednesday night. We are gonna practice some foolishness together. We're gonna get on our knees and pray, right? And we're gonna, we are gonna break divine strongholds together. We have a member meet, uh, two times a year we do a family meeting, right? And we're, this is not a business meeting. This is not, okay, let's look at the green and look at the, you know. No, no, we are gonna get together, sing some songs, and we are going to pray together on Wednesday night. And we've tried to make it as easily accessible. We're providing childcare. We're providing a free God's chicken sandwich fam- meal for you. You gotta register though because we have to order them. So if you're, if you're coming, you gotta order by tomorrow on the website. Uh, get your chicken, God's chicken sandwich. And come here and let's do battle together and win this war, right? Wednesday night, right? You're invited. But if you don't get God's chicken sandwich if you don't register. I'm just telling you right now. It's free. Just get online, okay? That's what we're gonna do. It's important, right? But here's, again, first idea, be a great citizen, okay? Second one's not as long, but it's right along with the same idea. Be a great citizen. It doesn't stick. Be a great worker. 
be a great worker. All right? It's, it's, it's logical. These are two big areas of our lives, work and, and how we follow into our culture and, and, and the laws of our culture. He's going to use the language that we've, we've looked at this before, the servant-master relationship. We've, we've ex, I've explained, Clint did a great job when we preached Exodus explaining, this is, we're not talking about the slavery of America and in Europe and in Africa in the 17, 1800s, okay? This is not the same. It's not a one-for-one. One. You can go li- listen to Clint's sermon when he talked about it. He actually uses the term for a, a household servant, which is uh, someone who would be uh, living in the house with them, would take on the trade of the, uh, the, whoever the owner was. So if he's a lawyer, then this person's trained up in the, in the law degree. If he's uh, a fisherman, they become fishermen. If they're a musician, they become musician, artisans. And, and the idea was this, their culture was very different. It wasn't just like unemployment and all these things. You wanted a job, if you didn't start your own deal, you would often uh, offer yourself to, to serve this family for X amount of time. And they would, you know, you'd have that contract and they'd bring you to the house and you would do that. That's how you provided for your family. Remember, this is an empire, not a democracy. It had nothing to do with race. In fact, up the statistics are about 40 to 50% of the known world would be considered uh, slaves, servants, bond slaves, whatever the term, uh, different terms would be. All right, so it's a, it's a completely different thing. It was, we've looked at the fact that it was, it was against the word of God for someone to go in, take someone from their home and sell them. That is an abomination, both the Old and the New Testament. So it's not that. Now, were there abuses because you were part of this person's property? Absolutely, just like today in the American workforce. Are there abuses? Is there harassment? Is there, oh, absolutely there is. That's the nature of fallen men, right? But... So you just need to understand when this, this text was used to justify a lot of things in our country and others, that was not the idea. That's not the point. What Paul and Peter are doing is they're addressing the nature of what they, what the, what they exist in and they actually uh, aren't aimed at toppling anything, but that's exa- exactly what happens because when people are starting to treat you know, with respect and not as property, you, you break it from the inside out, which is what happens. But here's what he says. All right, verse 18, same language. Servants be subject to your masters with all respect. Not only to the good and gentle, but also the unjust. The closest relationship we have here is the employer-employee relationship. And what he says is, employee, treat your boss with respect. But I hate my job. My boss is a jerk. It's not fair. I'm underpaid. I'm undervalued. He says, it doesn't matter. Treat your boss with respect, right? And, and here's the idea. How often is our life and our actions based on how other people have treated us? Your response, how you live, how you work, how you act at home, whatever. How often is the way we live just a response of how other people treat us? A lot. That guy was a jerk, I'm a jerk back. That guy was harsh with me, I'm gonna be harsh with him. My spouse was this, I'm gonna be that. And what Peter is saying is, that shouldn't matter. Your boss is fair or unfair, honor them, respect them, right? A society flourishes when we have people who work and do excellent at work. And so he says, do that. Verse 19, for this is gracious. When mindful of God, one endures sorrow when suffering unjustly. You're treated unfairly, you're not paid fairly, whatever, you're accused falsely, all those things. And I'm not saying, by the way, if you're harassed or you're in danger at work that you should just sit there. No, go to HR, go to your boss and and tell them. I'm not saying sit in an abusive situation. What I am saying is if you were in a place where it's not fair, it's not just, it's harsh, and you're like, oh, what do I do? Here's what he says. Endure it because you're mindful of God. Know that you are honoring God and it actually finds favor when you do so, when you, when you do so with excellence because of who God is. 
right? That's what he says. He says, if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure, don't, don't, don't make excuses. He, what, the idea there is if you get fired or docked in your pay or you lose a thing because you were disrespectful to a customer or you're watching silly cat videos on, on, on YouTube all day and you get fired for that, good for your boss. You should be. Don't come, oh, you know, you're doing your quiet time when you're supposed to be doing work. Good, you should be fired. Do your work when you're there. Don't be all, I was persecuted for being a Christian because I had a verse on my, you know. No, you were supposed to be working and you were watching a sermon on your, on your computer. He says, don't suffer as an evildoer. But if you suffer for doing good, this is gracious, this finds favor. And here's this very hard verse, hardest verse in the text. This is what you were called to. I was called to injustice? I was called to suffer unfairly? Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. But I don't deserve it. I'm underpaid. He says, it doesn't matter. Your job, regardless of how nice or not your employees are, your coworkers are, your bosses, is to make that place better. That you're the kind of person that they want you on the team. Even if, even if you don't get the credit. That you're the kind of person that makes the office better. That they know that the, you're the Christian that is going to, when you say, I'm going to get it done, that it gets done. If you make a mistake, you're not blaming everyone else. You own it and you fix it. What we want to be, the way it doesn't stick. You know, so people are all oh, Christians this, Christians that. And, and this company would say, you may think that. I got some Christians. They're my best employees. They don't call out sick when they're not sick. They do their job. They're respectful to customers. They're kind. They're the best kids in my class, my college class. Yeah, I think they're wacko and they believe in this wacko God, but I can tell you this. They talk to me with respect and they work hard and they study and they're in class and they're not skipping and down at Tybee, right? They're the best students I have. I don't agree with them, but they're my best. We wish, it should be that all these places are saying, Give us your Christians. We want them working for us. We'll let them go to church on Sunday, but we want them working. That's the idea. That's how it doesn't stick. And, and there's all sorts that could be said to this. And he doesn't even deal with the, the, the bosses. He doesn't, Peter, I mean, Paul does in Colossians, deals with the bosses. He says, if you're a boss, you better treat your employees with respect. You better pay them, right? Because you have a boss and he'll deal with you and he's bigger than you. Right, so if you're a boss and that's you, that's for you. And there's all sorts of other things. If you're a Christian and you have a Christian boss and you think, oh, I'm gonna take advantage because he's a Christian boss because he goes to my church and he can't fire you. No, you treat him with respect and reverence and you follow and you, you, you both are representing Jesus there. There's all sorts of things could be said, but the idea is this. You, we wanna make it not stick. Be a great employee, be a great citizen, right? And if you have to struggle, look to Jesus. Because all you're doing is following, look at that last part of the verse, you're following Jesus, you're following his steps. Christianity is not a, I get forgiven, I get to go to heaven. It's a following faith. You're actually moving, it's not, it's not static. You are following the one who it says, he committed no sin, he was, no deceit was found in his mouth. And when he was reviled, what did he do? He kept his mouth shut. When he suffered, he didn't threaten, I'm gonna come back for you, Pilate. You two boys, I'm coming to get y'all. Like a lamb Isaiah 53, to the slaughter, for his shears did not open his mouth. He bore our sins. He entrusted himself to who his dad, who judges righteously. Why? So that we, the ones who were straying like sheep, he says, would die to sin and live to righteousness. We were straying like sheep. That was us. 
And now we've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. If you're in that place, I know it's challenging. I know it stinks. I know you don't want to go to work tonight, tomorrow morning. I get it. But here's what you got. Being mindful of God, knowing he sees. He knows. And it's an opportunity for you. And this is a challenging thing, but this is what it goes back to being a priest. When you suffer unjustly, when you're at a place that you're treated unfairly, all you're doing is being like Jesus. And what you're doing, even without opening your mouth, is you show a world that is unjust and unfair what grace looks like. It's an opportunity for you to show that when Jesus was reviled, he did not revile back. You are a walking picture of the Lord Jesus. You are a walking picture of the gospel. And that is how some people are gonna be one to the Lord Jesus by your life, by being a great employee, even in the midst of hardship. And what's gonna happen is one day when the Lord Jesus returns and that person puts their faith, you guys are gonna be going up together and they're gonna be like, thank you. Thank you, you made an eternal difference in my life. Don't you want that? That's what we all should want. It's an opportunity to proclaim the excellencies of him who calls you out of darkness. I went long, I'm sorry, but it's second service and I don't care. But what I do care about is this. This is challenging, I get it. You think this is challenging, wait till next week. But here's the deal. God wants us to remember that our conduct matters. So when you leave, be a great citizen be a great worker. It matters. It doesn't matter what you do. You're just like, I'm a stay-at-home mom. It matters. I'm a CEO of things. It matters. Right? And, and if, you, if you have some, some repenting to do, that's okay too. Maybe you need to go delete your Facebook account. All right. That's great. We want to be a people who keep our behavior excellent among the Gentiles. We want nothing to stick. Just like that Scots guard shirt, nothing sticks. Don't let it stick. Be a great citizen, be a great worker, right? Because remember, the grass withers, the flower falls off, but this endures forever. I'll just stand, we'll pray, and we'll respond through singing. Thank you, Father, for the word, which is sometimes like a knife. It cuts, and it's a mirror that, that reveals uh, and we need to be cut and we need to see where we're at. And, and Lord, I just pray that we would be found faithful as citizens of heaven, first and foremost, as those who put ourselves under the truth of your word. Um, and if there's been failure there, Lord, that's why we have uh, the one who was reviled for us, the one who took our sin. By his wounds, we were healed, spiritually healed, dead in Christ, dead, dead in the world and now alive in Christ. Enemies, now family. Thank you for that truth. In Jesus' name.